Hello and welcome to the Glide TV Recaps, where we are discussing all episodes of the Golden Girls. Today, we're on Season 2, Episode 5, Isn't It Romantic? This episode originally aired on November 8th of 1986, so what other interesting historical events occurred on November the 8th? Well, in 392, Roman Emperor Theodosius declares Christianity the state religion of the Roman Empire, therefore more or less beginning the Holy Roman Empire span of the Roman Empire. Uh, in 1519, the first meeting between Montezuma II, the Aztec Emperor, and Hernán Cortés, Spanish explorer, occurs in Tenochtitlan. Of course, this ends very, very, very poorly for the Aztecs and the rest of Latin America. Um, in 1731, Benjamin Franklin opens the first library in the United States in Philadelphia. In 1904, inventor and manufacturer Harvey Hubble receives the first United States patent for a separable electric attachment plug. In 1974, the Earl of Lucan disappears and is never seen again after his nanny is found murdered in London. In 1977, Greek archaeologist, I apologize in advance, Manolis Andronikos discovers the tomb of Philip II of Macedon. In 1991, Paul Coffey sets the NHL record for career goals by a defenseman with his 311th goal. In our most recent event on November 8th, 2018, I had a few to choose from. Uh, so I selected uh, <clears throat> a mass grave of 200 people. It's discovered on the border of Somali and Ormia regions in Ethiopia during an investigation into atrocities by former regional Ethiopian President Abdi Muhammad. So that is our history lesson for the day. So what occurs in this enthralling oh boy. episode of The Golden Girls? Isn't it romantic? Yes. We start this episode as Sophia enters the living room from the front door. She's in a rush. And Sophia inserts a VHS tape into the VHS machine on top of the TV. And yes, we actually do see the VHS box and the TV, the top of the TV box, uh, in front of the, like in the front of the picture there. Sophia rushes to the couch while holding a bag of snacks. It looks like it's popcorn. Dorothy enters the living room via the kitchen and asks Sophia, what? she is watching. Sophia replies that she doesn't know. Might be one of those Steven Spielberger movies. Dorothy sits on the couch and watches for about a second and says that is not a Steven Spielberg movie. Dorothy wants to know what they are doing <clears throat> and Sophia says they they had that talk when Dorothy was 12 so she should know what they are doing. Dorothy can't believe that Sophia rented a dirty movie. Wow, I can believe it. Sophia says that dirty is in the eye of the beholder. They both look at the TV for a second and Sophia says, okay, maybe that's a little dirty. 
Dorothy says she cannot watch any more of this and grabs the remote and tries to turn it off. Blanche and Rose enter the living room through the front door. Sophia says that Dorothy hit the wrong button. That is the fast forward. Rose and Blanche are now far enough into the room to see the TV and Rose says, my God, what are they doing? Dorothy, in what must be the longest time to find a power off button, Dorothy is still trying to turn it off. Blanche says she knows what they are doing, but she has never seen anybody do it at that speed. It reminds Rose of her Uncle Ricky's rabbit farm. Now Sophia tells Dorothy that is in reverse. I can't believe, I just can't believe Dorothy does not know where the power button is. I'm sorry. Dor uh, Blanche, still watching the TV, points to the TV and says that she did that once. Yes, it was his birthday. Dorothy finally gets the machine turned off and tells Sophia that they did not get a VCR to watch dirty movies. Sophia says she is 81. What is Dorothy worried about? Rose asks, when is Jean coming? And Dorothy replies that she called from the airport and she is on her way. Rose hopes she has fun here in Miami. Rose recalls it was so tough for her the first year after Charlie died. Jean has apparently told Dorothy that she is getting better every day. Rose asks Dorothy how long were Jean and Pat married? Dorothy replies about eight years. Rose wishes there was something she could do. Ah, she comes up with something. Yes, she will make her famous ice cream clown sundaes. The ones with little raisin eyes and sugar cone caps. So Rose goes to the kitchen. Dorothy and Sophia continue talking about Jean. We find out that Jean is a lesbian. They talk about that. Should Dorothy tell Rose and Blanche? So they talk some more doorbell rings and Dorothy answers that it is Jean. Jean goes to Sophia and tells her she hasn't aged a bit. Sophia asks Dorothy why she can't be more like Jean. Oh, wait, scratch that. She was thinking she's a lesbian, so scratch that. They talk a little bit out in the living room. We learn that Pat was a woman and Dorothy has just been leading Blanche and Rose along, that Pat and Jean were married and that Pat was a man. It is up to Dorothy. She wants to tell Rose and Blanche. So Rose then enters the living room from the kitchen with a tray of ice cream cones with hats for everybody. Very nice clown type ice cream cones, yes. And Jean tells Dorothy, um, it'll be our little secret, don't tell her. Rose and Jean are introduced. Rose offers her an ice cream clown Sunday. We learn that Jean will be around for a week. Blanche comes back into the living room uh, from the Lanai hallway. So I'm not sure if her bedroom was moved or not. Uh, Blanche and Jean introduce themselves. We get talk. So we get some more information about the house layout here. Because Sophia is moving into Dorothy's room and Jean will stay in Sophia's room. Sophia says it is okay. She just has to remember that when she gets up at night, the bathroom is to her left, not her right. As last time they had a guest, she killed two potted palms. Um, all righty. In the kitchen with Jean, Dorothy, and Blanche sitting at the table, they want to know about, they want to know what Jean has planned for the day. And nothing special. Blanche brings up men and it is about time Jean plans something special with them. Rose is over by the stove and says she could even think of another man. She couldn't 
even think of another man for years after her husband died. Uh, more small talk about men, etc. And then Jean, ah, she was raised on a farm. That gets Rose's attention. It was a dairy farm. And until Jean was 17, she stayed on that farm. Talk about the dairy farm life. Yes, Dorothy and Blanche leave as they have to get ready for work. And Rose is going into work late today. So she asks if Jean wants to catch a matinee. And it sounds great. Rose tells a short story about when they got a milking machine, uh, of course on the dairy farm, and she hooked it up to Molly and flipped the switch and Molly dropped like a rock. She wasn't electrocuted. She didn't give any more milk though, but she was the most popular cow during mating season. I'm not really sure what all that means though. In the next scene, we see a storm outside the girl's kitchen window we hear thunder. Blanche is in the kitchen and says she does love the rain. It reminds her of her first kiss. Dorothy, who's sitting at the table, says, your first kiss was in the rain? Uh, no, it was in the shower. Sophia comes in from the door by the phone with rain gear on. Blanche wants to know where she was as she thought she was taking a nap. Sophia went to the video store. Uh-oh. Dorothy told her that Dorothy would go. Sophia says to forget it. The last time Dorothy went, she brought home seven brides for seven brothers. Sophia was disappointed that it was a musical. Sophia exits the kitchen. Dorothy and Blanche are now sitting at the table and discussing Jean and Rose. They are at lunch together and certainly seem to have hit it off. Blanche brings up that every time she suggests that Jean go out on a date, the two of them, Dorothy and Jean, change the subject. Blanche thinks Jean is seeing a married man. Oh boy, Rose and Jean come in from the door by the phone and Rose is crying. They saw love story and terms of endearment. It was the cry me a river matinee at the Rialto. Rose leaves as she has to change. Jean asks Blanche if she would leave as she needs to talk to Dorothy alone. As Blanche leaves, she tells Jean that her secret is safe with her. Yes, Jean tells Dorothy that she needs to leave today. Jean thinks she is falling in love. Yes, with Rose. Ah, nighttime, we're in Dorothy's bedroom. We see Dorothy wide awake in bed. She turns over and snuggles up to Sophia's back. Sophia says, not tonight, Salvador. I've been cooking all day. And Dorothy wakes up Sophia and tells her it is Dorothy. Sophia says the way that Dorothy's elbow was pushing her, she thought it was Salvador sneaking up on her. Uh, they lay there for a second, then Dorothy needs to talk to Sophia. Dorothy asks her how would Sophia react if she was told one of her kids was gay. Uh, we get some small talk, uh, some talk about Phil being gay. Uh, he isn't. Then some talk about Dorothy being gay. Uh, she isn't. Then Sophia explains that if one of her kids was gay, she wouldn't love them one bit less. She would wish them every happiness in the world. More small talk than Dorothy tells Sophia that Jean thinks she is in love with Rose. Sophia laughs and laughs and laughs. She says Jean in love with little Miss Muffet. They both laugh enough that Blanche then enters the room and wants to know what is going on. Sophia tells her that Jean is a lesbian. And Blanche isn't surprised. She has never known one personally. But isn't Danny Thomas one? Amazed looks all around. Dorothy says, not Lebanese, lesbian. Ah, 
It finally dawns on Blanche. She says Jean's very attractive. She could have any man she wants. She says a man has so much more to offer. And Dorothy found that out when Mark Perper ran for class president in the third grade. His campaign slogan was, vote for me and I'll show you my wee-wee. And this is in third grade, folks. He won by a landslide. Blanche starts leaving and saying that it is fine by her if Jean doesn't like the opposite sex. As she opens the bedroom door, Sophia tells her that Jean is in love with Rose. So Blanche has to come back in the bedroom and closes the door and says, Jean has the hots for Rose. Blanche is livid that Jean would prefer Rose over her. And we get more small talk. Next scene, we're in the living room. All five girls are there. We don't see the TV now. Sophia sneezes. Rose is shuffling cards and sitting on the floor. Sophia is going to bed. Dorothy says she should also call it a night. Blanche wonders if Dorothy should sleep in the same bed as Sophia. So Sophia will move back to her room and Jean will sleep in Dorothy's room. Blanche is going to, to retire too. This is the night she does her facial packs and compresses. Uh, it takes her an hour, but that's why her skin is as smooth as a baby's bottom. Dorothy says that must be why that sometimes she has the urge to diaper Blanche's head. Uh, what a line. Blanche and Dorothy leave, both down the bedroom hallway. Only Rose and Jean are left in the living room, and Jean asks if Rose wants to play a few more hands. Staying up late and playing games reminds Rose of her teenage slumber parties. Jean and Rose talk and play. Rose tells about her prom. She really wanted to go with Delbert Twitchell, the most gorgeous boy at, at their school. And he was captain of the Precision Combine Drill Team. Rose was so sure that Delbert was going to ask her to the prom, she turned down a foreign exchange student, Cyril Mountbatten. Her daddy didn't really like Cyril as he was British and he thought a relationship would not work out because of the language barrier. Yeah, daddy was a very caring man, but very ignorant. The day before the prom and Delbert still hadn't asked Rose, so Rose walked across the very crowded lunchroom straight to Delbert and asked him, Delbert, what gives? And he replied, Jenny McCoy. That's why I'm taking her to the prom. Ah, next scene, we're still in the living room. It appears that Rose and Gina played a lot of cards, but right now they are both reclined on the couch. Yes, in a restful position. They are just talking. Rose finally realizes that it is two o'clock. She needs to get some rest, as does Jean. Rose tells her instead of bothering Dorothy at this hour, just sleep in Rose's room. They exit down the bedroom hallway. Next, we see a clock saying it is 2.20 and then Rose, and she is sound asleep. Wow. Jean comes into the bedroom, probably from the bathroom, I think. Jean sits on the bed and kind of wakes Rose up. They talk some. Rose is in a slumber, though. Jean finally says that she is quite fond of Rose. Rose's eyes pop open. So, uh, she fakes snores. Jean goes to sleep on the large couch that happens to be in the bedroom. Next, we see Blanche come in the kitchen and Dorothy is already there. They talk. They wonder where Jean is and where she slept. Sophia comes in and they ask if Jean slept there. No, she didn't. They decide that Jean must have stayed in Rose's room. Small talk. Rose comes in and says that something terrible happened last night. Rose wants Sophia and Blanche to exit and they do very slowly. Rose wants to tell Dorothy that Jean is gay, but 
Dorothy tells her first, and Blanche is not gay, but she knows what, but she knows that Jean is. Uh, Rose thinks Jean is in love with her, and she doesn't know what she is going to do. Jean comes in the door at this time. She has a suitcase and has decided she does have to go. Rose wants to talk to Jean alone. So she asks Dorothy to leave, and she does, very slowly. Jean and Rose discuss their feelings. Sophia enters and says she was listening at the door, and Dorothy and Blanche were apparently outside the kitchen window snooping. And that ends the episode as it all ends well. They're all friendly and love each other. Well, we have a few cultural references throughout this episode. Not too many, though. This is a light episode on that front. Uh, so, uh, they bring up Steven Spielberg, who, of course, is a uh, filmmaker, widely considered one of the founding pioneers of the new Hollywood era, of course, uh, and has directed lots of uh, movies throughout his career, including some more uh, next year, I believe, right? I don't think he has anything this year coming out. Um, okay, I can't keep up with him. Right. Um, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers is, of course, a 1954 musical film uh, adapted from the short story The Sabin Women uh, by Stephen Vincent Benet, which was based on the Ancient Roman legend, The Rape of the Sabine Women. Okay. Uh, so the, the uh, Seven Brides or Seven Brothers is set in 1850s Oregon and is particularly known for kids' unusual choreography, making dance numbers out of such mundane frontier pursuits as chopping wood and raising a barn. Okay. Uh, it won an Oscar for Best Score, and was also nominated for four additional awards, including Best Picture, that it, of course, lost. Uh, in 06, AFI named it one of the best American musicals ever made, and in 04 was selected for preservation in the U.S. National Film Registry of the Library of Congress. And they bring up another movie, Love Story, a 1970 film uh, written by Eric Segal, who also wrote the best-selling novel of the same name. Uh, it is considered one of the most romantic uh, by the AFI, number nine on the list of the most romantic films, and is also apparently one of the highest-grossing films of all time, according to Wikipedia. Uh, it was followed by a sequel, Oliver's Story, in 1978. Uh, it has also been remade a few times. Uh, it was adapted into an anthology television series in the mid-70s. Uh, it was remade uh, twice in India. Uh, first in 1978 uh, in, I apologize for everything I'm about to say, in the Malayalam language, uh, the film entitled <laughs> Madanalsavam. Then it was also remade in India in Hindi uh, under the name Sanam Teri Kasam in 2016. Uh, Terms of Endearment, another film 
this one an 83 film adapted from Larry McMurty's 1975 novel of the same name, I imagine. Uh, and this one covers a 30-year relationship between a character named Aurora Greenway and her daughter Emma. Uh, it received 11 Oscar nominations, winning five, uh, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Writing, and um, at the time, Screenplay based on material from another medium, which is now known as a Adapted Screenplay, uh, as well as Best Leading Actress and Best Supporting Actor. It won also four Golden Globe Awards, so a highly critically successful and looking at its figures down there, a quite unusual for an Oscar movie. It made a whole lot of money, which is a very unusual thing for Oscar movies to do, but it did. Um, although I guess that was the 80s, so that may have been more common at that time. Um, <clears throat> Little Miss Muffet is, of course, a nursery rhyme, one of the most commonly printed throughout the mid-20th century. It first appeared in print in 1805 in a book titled Songs for the Nursery. Like many such rhymes, its origins are quite unclear. Some claim it was originally written by Dr. Thomas Muffet around 1604, an English physician and entomologist regarding his stepdaughter Patience. Others claim it refers to Mary, Queen of Scots, uh, who is said to have been frightened by religious reformer John Knox. Uh, the first is rather speculative, while the second is doubted by most literary scholars. Apparently there are scholars that study nursery rhymes, apparently. Okay. Uh, I guess there's not much else to do in the world of literary history, but nonetheless. I guess. Uh, who note that stories linking folk tales or songs to political events are often incorrect. Several novels and films including Along Came a Spider, take their titles from the poem's crucial line. Uh, there is also an alternative set of lyrics that has been taught in some countries where whey is not a common foodstuff. In the 19th century, the rhyme existed in many alternative versions, including Little Mary Esther set upon a tester, uh, which has been dated to 1812, and Little Miss Mopsy sat in the Shopsy, dated to around 1842. These rhymes may be parodies of whichever is the original. So, that is Little Miss Muffet. And last but not least, Danny Thomas, or Amos Muzad Yakub Kairouz, was uh, an American nightclub comedian, singer, actor, producer, and philanthropist who, according to Wikipedia, created and starred in one of the most successful and long-running sitcoms in the history of American network television. I didn't know what in the world they meant. So, according to Wikipedia, that show would be Make Room for Daddy, uh. is apparently one of the longest-running and most successful sitcoms, according to Wikipedia. Okay, yes. Um, two fashion notes. Uh, Rose is wearing a teddy bear sweater throughout parts of this episode, and it is absolutely delightful. Uh, and then there was one outfit of jeans I could not figure out. Uh, it was a very bizarre look to me. 
Uh, she's wearing an all pink outfit with pink high heels. Like her bracelets are pink and her earrings are pink too. It's a very odd look, I thought. Wow. Of course, okay. we have only one side character, Jean, played by Lois Nettleton, uh, who is most known for her work in projects such as In the Heat of the Night, Centennial, The American Woman, Portraits of Courage, and Insight. Uh, she also appeared on Seinfeld for a couple of, one episode as Mrs. Inright, whoever that was. Uh, <clears throat> so no new sex partners in this episode, as far as I could tell, were established. So our tallies stand Blanche 21, Dorothy 4, Rose 4, Sophia 1, 1, 1. New continuity note, uh, Sophia's husband was named Salvador. Uh, and then, of course, I have quite a few additional uh, notes for this episode. So, um, you know, in kind of a broad sense, uh, this episode is a rather uh, fascinating case study for where uh, kind of gay characters on television stood in the mid to, well, this would be mid-80s because this is 86. Uh -huh. uh, so, would have been written early 86. So, yeah, so... It's kind of interesting in that regard, uh, and you can definitely tell which part of it's are of its time and which are not. It's very much kind of like an early Will and Grace episode where you can tell, like, okay, yeah, that made sense for when this was written, but that doesn't really make sense now. Um, like, most of Sophia's lines in this episode are kind of in that boat. Uh, Blanche's whole, uh, why doesn't Jean like me bit. Uh, I would put in that camp, too. Uh, and the biggest one I would put in that camp uh, is early on in the episode. You, for some reason, didn't bring this up in your recap, though you had to tell us about where the VCR was located. Um, but um, Dorothy states that uh, Jean did not know that she was a lesbian in college, although Sophia did, apparently, uh, which is a, a widely inaccurate um, assessment here on Dorothy's part. Uh, now, Jean may not have been, and obviously was not out, as that would have been the 50s, roughly, maybe? <laughs> and I'm trying to think college, so Dorothy's supposed to be like 55, let's just say, here, so born in 31, so college would have been about... 49.50 range, yeah. maybe a little later. Uh, so that would make sense, you know. We're in the early 50s, definitely not a gay-friendly time uh, in the 1950s. Uh, so that does kind of make, that does sort of track that Dorothy would not have been aware of it, but uh, her assessment that Jean did not know is wildly inaccurate. Um, let's see, what else do I have to note? Um, Jean's experience in this episode, she, she's put through a lot in this episode that are kind of remnants of a partially bygone era, not entirely. Uh, her and Dorothy both had to play the pronoun game for a while, which is interesting. Uh, a, kind of an exchange, we don't get to see a ton on, 
uh, television anymore. The characters having to navigate uh, the pronoun game is kind of interesting to see. Uh, Gene, of course, being constantly asked and constantly uh, trying to be not goaded, but that's the best I can come up with, uh, into going out seeking. I'll go seek out these hot men. There are a bunch of hot men here in Miami. Uh, is a common and disheartening experience for the non-heterosexual population. Also, her experience with Rose, we get a lot of weird, not really weird, but we get a lot of common gay plot lines thrown together into one episode. We have a coming out plot line. We have a crushing on a straight person plot line. And then it's not totally addressed, but it is sort of addressed in uh, that we are addressing kind of long-term relationships and what happens when those end and the navigation of them, especially in this time with a, you know, there's not any kind of like, well, I'm in her will, so I get this and that. Nope, that government ain't gonna let that happen. And so there's a bunch of weird stuff that's not really explored, but could have been in an interesting way, but was not. Uh, so all in all, this is a very fascinating episode uh, of a time capsule episode, and we'll see sort of these kind of things talked about again in later seasons uh, in very different ways and in a much different context. But all in all, I, I think especially for 86, uh, this did a relatively uh, fine job with handling a lesbian character that's obviously not going to be the main character, but nonetheless, uh, an interesting and fascinating time capsule look here this episode was, at least for me. <clears throat> yes. Uh, my observations, the kitchen is pretty much the same, uh, though they had the pizza tray thingy out there today, or in this episode. It was on the table sometimes, and sometimes it wasn't on the table. So, other than that, everything was about the same. The only count I have for this episode is one game, Gin Rummy, which was a. I was going to say, they played that before. They've played it before, but not Rose and uh, Gene. Okay. Rose had not played Gin Rummy before. So, uh, my total counts. Or now there's three weddings and planned weddings, three physical abuses of Rose, three St. Olaf stories, three cheesecakes eating, eaten, four Sicily Italian stories, 14 Sicily Italian references, girls mad at each other four times, 12 sports mentioned, nine games now, uh, and three Stanley appearances. I thought this was another tough subject that was handled mostly pretty well. Uh, but I thought it was kind of short on laughs. Uh, so I gave this a 75 out of 100. Hmm. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Glide TV Recaps. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to subscribe to the show for more great content like this. And until the next episode, goodbye.